0: What is the biggest predictor of your happiness and fulfillment in life? Well, for 75 years, Harvard's longitudinal study on adult development has tracked the physical and emotional well-being of over 700 people. A lifetime summarized. On today's podcast, we discuss the value of meaningful social connection.
1: We were the first generation to grow up with video game consoles. It was Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Sony PlayStation, sit around, play with your friends. I mostly played sport games. I think, Roger, you too. We weren't really much gamers, but we're when gamers. we did have them, it was always a sports game. Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah, Tyson always
0: out. double dribble. Double dribble,
1: and double dribble. Yeah, and there were always <laughs> cheat codes. <laughs> there were cheat codes. Sega Geni- uh no, it was a Contra. Yeah. Had the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. I had to think about that. Because it was the movement, it wasn't necessarily memorizing the the words, but you could do it really quickly. Legend of Zelda is one of those adventure games, and there was always, you would see what your health was in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. Your health would start going down, and you had to find that magic elixir. Mm. I, I, I think it was a beaker, maybe blue or green.
0: For me, it's Miller Light. That's <laughs> magic elixir. That is a magic elixir.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 So I was thinking, if we were a video game, what would be the potion or the way where your life force gets filled back up and I'm not talking about physical health and energy I'm talking about how would you how would you feed your soul so your character can continue to evolve in this game mm. you mean other than Miller Light other than Miller Light mm.
0: um it? For me it's for me it's family. I mean I I I go home or after work if I'm having a bad day. I would sit there and even imagine in my mind I get to go home and I get to be around people that I love. So I would say that always gives me that fulfillment. I know that's a very kind of perhaps cheesy or
1: What about but, before family?
0: I think interest and intrigue about life like just learning new things fascinating things Mm -hmm. um you know when i was younger i i certainly thought that i i thought differently than a lot of people but i would always try to find new and exciting things and then being a teacher i would always try to bring them into the classroom so you know be like research this and all of a sudden i would see something new i would always get excited Mm -hmm. to find out new and inventive and creative things so maybe creativity would be another insert prior to that before family
2: Mm -hmm. about you raj it's interesting i was talking to a friend yesterday and i was talking about his son and how his son has like an obsession with music and god i hate using the word obsession but i'm probably using it in the wrong term like whenever he has free time he's either singing or playing his guitar you know anytime there's downtime you can see like that's where his head is at and he he was a re- he's a wrestler too with with my son we had the district championships this weekend and shane was sean was there mm-hmm. And it was exciting. It was fun, and and I was thinking about this idea of life and creation. How we have this amazing opportunity in our lives to be creators.
1: Now more than ever, I would say, right? Mm, no, always. It's so easy, though. It's so easy. It's to not
2: now more than ever. The human experience can create anything at any point, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, just, I'm thinking artistically. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm saying the creation of experience okay all right so like think about this podcast we decided to start this podcast a couple years ago it's an idea so so it starts with a thought and a thought is energy and that creates an emotion that increases motivation which turns into an action and then you have these dialogues where thousands of people actually listen to this it allows you to meet new people and so we were just on a call on friday Mm -hmm. with a woman who was in Central America at the time. Mm-hmm. You, div- you create then a relationship and an exchange that you would have never had otherwise. And then new ideas form and new passions form. And that's the amazing thing about life is that it can play out in these mysterious ways, but it starts with creation. And so how do we create that energy of life and there's passion, you know, so it's like connection when you use the word soul. So you have to think about what happens in our lives where we lose time and space. That concept of flow, which is an interesting topic in itself, where time just flies because you're so connected in that moment. And for me, sometimes I'll be engrossed in like a great book and it's just fascinating the ideas, and I get filled with. Like this passion and this energy, because I know that I've learned something new or completely shifted the way that I think about life. And then that influences how I interact with somebody. It could be a client or it could be one of my family members. And that energy (laughs) created a new reaction and a new response. It influenced someone else. Like that's the power of like a book or an idea. Mm -hmm. And I just thought like sitting up in in the stands for wrestling, right? We're in a packed gym, and it's so enjoyable i I love sports. I love competition, and it's like time flies when I'm watching great competition, the excitement, the connection to the athletes, especially like if it's your son or your son's friends or your team. But that started with an idea you know I remember my my son came home when he was in like first grade he's like. That I want to you know? <laughs> wrestle, you know, I want to wrestle, you know, just started with that idea. And he said it like that wrestle, Yeah. You know, Cause he you know, had a speech little thing at that time. <laughs> yeah. And then I you, remember. you make all those commitments, you go to all those practices and you commit your life in the, in a certain way where something becomes important mm-hmm. and you use it as life lessons. And it turns out to be something else down the line, which is experiences that were created and relationships. So, that idea of seeing ourselves as creators is something that really inspires me because you see your life as relatively short term, but you can make it anything that you want. And I was just, I was hoping that, you know you could find something in my field that could just follow a person throughout their entire lifetime. Like what about the ultimate research study mm-hmm. that would follow a group of people from birth to death, large groups of people. So you can get in and focus exactly on what are those factors that lead people to live a long, healthy, and inspired life. Wouldn't have that been a great research study? They're so hard to to do though, right?
1: Yeah. Imagine the years is just a big barrier. And especially if somebody starts this study, they'd want to have their name tied to it and understand what the results are and you wouldn't be able to really do that.
2: It requires generations yeah. of people to lead a study. There's, you know, there's dropouts. Um, you know, whoever starts the study can lose their inspiration, go in a different direction, lose their job. I mean, it's almost impossible to be able to study cohorts of people um, on a longitudinal study and get data. But it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm. It has happened, and that is the the Harvard Longitudinal Study of Adult Development. We're talking about 80 years, 80 plus years now. I think it started, it's called the Grant and Gluck Study, G-L-U-E-C-K study. Track the physical and emotional well-being of two separate populations. Now, this is all men though, okay? So right. we have to be very clear about that, that we're talking about men. It's not that they didn't interview or learn about women, but it was the women in the men's lives. So two groups. 456 poor men growing up in Boston um, from 1939 to 2014 was the grant study. So they studied the co- that cohort. And 268 male graduates from Harvard's class of 1939 to 1944. That's a SMAT group. <laughs> SMAT. <laughs> Park the car. <laughs> but imagine, like, you couldn't get to probably different cohorts, poverty, and probably the, some of the most privileged people on, yeah. on Earth. And so due to the length of the uh, research study, um, it required multiple generations of researchers. They analyzed blood samples, conducted brain scans, poured over self-reported surveys as well as actual interactions with men to compile these findings. And it gives us amazing conclusions about what is most important in health and in happiness. Do you know what the clearest takeaway message was from this 75 year study? It had to be
0: that they started drinking
2: Miller Lite and
0: then, they found that then their lives were fulfilled. It was great and was less, was less filling. Now, <laughs> well, all right. Today's podcast just, sponsored by well, well, it used to be Monster Energy, but not anymore. That's right. So I don't know. I mean, when we I think it's going to be something dealing with um what I said earlier about family, about that. So something dealing with social, you know, their social well-being. Yeah, that would, would be something that I would consider, hey, no matter what, if you're born into poverty or you're, you know, you're born with a, a silver spoon, I still think it comes down to human connection.
1: Human mm-hmm. connection. Shared experiences, that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, I, I believe that as well. What did it,
2: what did it reveal? I don't want to reveal it yet. Oh. <laughs> oh, come on. Let me dangle it out here. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I think they were asking millennials similar questions about health and happiness and the things that are most important to millennials. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess what guess what they reported as what they believed was going to create the I feel like every time he tells one.
0: us to guess he's going to go I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, just, you have to wait
1: till after the You want us like to
0: guess recovery. on what the millennials
1: Well they're 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 young, so the things that are important for them in their lives right now are probably more financial and and wealth oriented, like yep. establishing wealth.
2: Yep, establishment of wealth, a desire to be rich. Mm. And and this is, this one hurts my soul. <laughs> the idea of, of fame, seeking out fame. Ugh.
0: Yeah. Because that social media influencer kind of crowd. You'd have to think so,
2: right? Yeah. Right. And when you compare it to what we've actually learned over these cohorts, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about things generationally, is the most important takeaway message is that. The quality of our relationships keeps us ha- happier and healthier. Period. Loneliness kills. It is not your cholesterol level or your weight or these other things that predict a shorter life, an unhealthier life. It is actually the quality of the relationship. So, we have to get into actually what this means Mm -hmm. because you can be around people and still feel lonely. Yeah. The way I looked at it,
1: it's not just showing up for class. It's participating in class. Like that Kelly? I do. Yeah.
2: What do you mean by that? You have to be
1: present. Like when I was in high school, I would show up for some classes. Maybe I'll be tired. I might put my head down for a little while. So I didn't get that check mark in terms of Group participation or participating in the class discussion. So maybe I I was listening, but probably being receiving about twenty percent. But if I was fully immersed in that experience, participating in the conversation, I would probably have learned more and felt more complete walking out of that classroom. So it's not just getting married and being with a partner, silently eating dinner or looking at your phone at a at a restaurant it's engaging in conversation connecting with that person as a human being and sharing experiences together not not together presently but you know together emotionally physically
2: all that stuff that makes sense to build off of that in fact a high conflict relationship or a high conflict marriage is worse than divorce so when you think about over the course of a lifetime there are certain high stress events. Relationships, quality ones. And it's not about the number of relationships either. It is the quality. So you can be in a group, go out every night, have this large kind of group of people. And that doesn't mean it's protective. It is the actual depth of the connection. Can, is there someone there that you can rely on when life throws you the inevitable curveball. Dude, don't you know who I am? I've got
1: 4 million followers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but think about the most painful events in life. Death. The loss of a child, potentially, mm. or a family mm-hmm. member. A loss of a job. A high-conflict marriage on well-being and health is worse than divorce. But a, a strong marriage, one where you can rely on each other and do things for each other is highly, highly protective. There's a word
1: that I saw in there and that was being vulnerable.
2: Yes. Mm. Vulnerable is the word. What does that mean? was her name? Brene Brown.
0: You did a TED Talk on the power of vulnerability. Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the idea of that you have to open yourself up uh, with your flaws your failures your everything and you know we're not we don't teach people that we teach them kind of overall blanketed but we teach them to hide those weaknesses and keep them to yourself and never show any of them but the reality is is if you do exhibit them and you allow people in that you're going to be happier overall uh right
1: yes yeah that's that's hard to do i don't know there's been certain times at least in my marriage where you know, you have to be the strong one. Sure. And even though you may be exhausted and just as scared as, you know, she is about something, you just don't reveal it because you want her to feel confident or feel protected. And, you know, you put up that mask and it becomes part of who you are. Sometimes it's hard to take that away.
0: True.
2: So, I mean, I want to add some dialectical thinking to this. Mm -hmm. I think you can be vulnerable and also elicit a, a strength and to be able to support your partner, to be able to get through difficult times. I don't think you have to put up, putting up a mask is actually the opposite of vulnerability. Oh, I, that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, interesting book I'm reading right now. And this is absolutely fascinating book. The, is this just a coincidence that you're bringing it up or
1: is it connected to vulnerability? <laughs>
2: It's connected, I think, to the entire conversation. It's a, okay. co- it's a coffee table book about coffee tables. <laughs> <laughs> Pop culture reference. <laughs> we really show our age on this. I know, we really You know, know. we're talking about Nintendo, and that was well, a Seinfeld, on. On. Seinfeld.
1: Seinfeld's the number one sitcom on Netflix right now. So there's a whole generation of, of kids that are finding that show for the first time. It is brilliant. And, and, Universal. and they're going to they're get all of these jokes that their parents have been saying for the last 15 years.
2: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know if you guys have heard of this book, because I think it's decades old at this point. Have you ever heard of The Course of Miracles? No. Nope. Absolutely fascinating. Now, it's a volume. It's an absolute volume. It might take the entire year for me to get through, but it it was a professor at Columbia, atheist, who I think she might have been in the philosophy or religious department, And she became a a channel. I don't know if you've heard of channelers. Like a
0: medium? Like, um,
2: you're able to, is that right? So she basically felt inspired to write out an entire book. It took her seven years. And it's, she said that she was channeling information that wasn't hers. And she wrote an entire book on the book of miracles. It's absolutely fascinating. I'm just in the beginning. but one of the things that one of the quotes that I, I took down because I thought this was really one of those like I opened up this podcast talking about getting caught in, into something like a book or an idea and how it can create something, and that this is one of the books where I was getting lost into, actually looking forward to like going home and reading it today. <laughs> All healing is essentially the release from fear. Now sit with that for a second. All, it's very absolute. All healing is essentially the release from fear. Now when you look at this Harvard study, what they're telling us is relationships are healing. They're curative. Let's put some things together in all of our podcasts. Placebo effect. Mm -hmm. The fact that we create our own experiences. That we have the ability to heal ourselves. And this is one of the things that they, because remember, this is brain scans. This is blood tests. People who were in closer relationships had less stress. Even if they were in their older years and they experienced high degrees of pain, their collective mood was unchanged if they had the higher the quality of the relationships. So the impact on the nervous system, love, connection, it seems to decrease a fear response, a stress response, which is healing. And there's always this greater question, do we have the ability to heal ourselves? And is love part of it? If love is an energy, an energy force, fear is an energy force. They are dialectical opposites. What does fear create? A lot of negative emotions. Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of things that are going to make you feel really bad in the time that you're fearful,
1: stress, anxiety, pain.
2: Fear has created wars. Mm -hmm. Fear creates paranoia. Fear creates distance. Fear creates insomnia. Fear creates anger, protectiveness. Everything, That we talk about in terms of social connectedness and love is the opposite of what fear creates. Because if you're talking about getting closer to somebody, engaging with, that is an openness, a love energy. One of the things that I saw a TED talk on this study, and I want to be able to give his name, Robert Waldinger, I think he's the guy who's currently Taking over this because they're keeping they're continuing this study. So, so this is generations. following the, the generations of the family or new people. Same families, same families. Yeah. Oh, so it is still going, right? it's still going right. Still going on right now. Hmm. And what he said is, when something happens, loss of a job, loss of a child, you almost have to. In the way they cope, if you push love away you die. Hmm. You get sick. You deteriorate. But if you open yourself up to receiving and giving love, you live. It's a powerful energy force. And I'm just now in my career trying to understand and conceptualize this energy force to be able to facilitate emotional healing and well-being.
1: Episode 65 for us when we had uh, Beth Lynch on, one thing that stuck for me from that conversation was she said, um, everything is frequency and energy. And when she was talking about, I'm going to not quote this accurately, but she was talking about frequency of life. And when you're in a depressed state, she said, that is death. You, you can't live in that depressed state. Your energy is so low that you're basically dead. And that's when you need to kind of bring yourself back and bring your, your energy, your frequency back up to live again. So when you talk about pushing love away, you're, pu- you're making that frequency so negative that you're, you're dying. Maybe a slow death, a slow, painful, lonely death But how can you bring that life force back in to get that frequency and that energy back up?
2: That's why we're so limited in the way that the modern medical establishment, U.S. culture views emotional health. I mean, we're infants.
1: Yeah, because you can't see it. You can't scan it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this idea of like turning to a drug or disease or calling it a disease is such an infantile way of thinking about the greater picture unfortunately probably controlled and run by spiritual infants because if you step back and you consider the larger grand scheme of our lives and how we can use our emotions to benefit growth and to just think about things in this idea we have we had in the last couple of decades and you can go to your primary care doctor and take a pill to try to change the way you feel it's so stunted And that's why we have a stunted culture right now. These studies of development and looking at things over generations and looking at things historically provide us so much wisdom in how to create a life of value and purpose. I feel like we're ignoring it. In other cultures throughout time, there was the passing down of information, usually through elders. And I always wonder if the way we treat the elderly and the aging in our culture has in some ways led to the demise of our health and well-being.
1: You mean in terms of putting them in homes and separating them from families, especially with young children that are growing?
2: I think that's part of it. But I I also think when you're in a neoliberal capitalistic society, the, the, the young, the strong, and the productive are of the greatest value. So you see this separate detachment from the lessons that could be learned from those who are older. So they c- you once you retire or once you get older, there's still that focus. You work your entire life for retirement. And then once you get to retirement, well, then you can live then yeah. you can go and you can travel and then you're separate from your grandkids and your family if you if you were, if you're blessed enough to have the money to do so once you start getting even older you get potentially placed into home care you know it's like it's almost like we're a fr- we're afraid in this culture to be able to spend time with the with the aging because it is a reminder of our own mortality mm. so it's a discomfort and that's the lack of, I think, spiritual connection and social connection within, a, within our society. I, there's so much fear of death because you view death as the end, it being over. And so we definitely have a fear of death that transmits itself into uh, fear of disease, fear of pain, doctors. And this goes back to fear versus love. We're talking about life is only 80 years if, right? Yeah. If you've lived a long life, that's so short. Where is our energy? Where are we focusing our energy? Is it on living or is it on not dying? Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's, um, in trying to prep for this, there was something called impact bias. Have you ever heard of that? So obviously biases are just like theories and things, but I thought it was interesting. So impact bias is... When we overestimate the emotional impact of future events, and I feel like right now, particularly, we all future events are like all negative, everything is negative emotion. It's almost like everything's going bad things are going to happen if you know, and I think a lot of our culture right now has really now started to focus much more on negativity versus positivity, focus on economy over wisdom, and focus less on family and the importance of the connections of family because you don't have any time. We're, we're constantly being told what's in your schedule. I'm busy, you know, and I, I fall victim to that all the time. But the thing that got me to that point of happiness earlier, you'd ask like, what fills my cup is, is my family. Mm-hmm. That comes directly from how I was raised. And sometimes it's very easy to forget that those connections are the most important thing that you have, not the car that you bought or the house that you have, or all of those material items, which are, I guess, it's like synthetic or fake happiness that you're getting from those things. So I, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that this longitudinal study showcased the fact that it was social connection that made a a fulfilling life.
1: Do you think people confuse security with happiness?
0: Explain a little more. I'm
1: just thinking about all these, you know, the financial components of stuff in terms of The things I buy, having the home, having enough money to pay the bills and the people that are in my family, making sure that they're taken care of if I were to disappear. Do people confuse that as being what happiness is?
0: It's possible. I mean, if you're working hard and you're
2: able to pay your bills, are you happier? You know, I mean. Let's ask you, Sean. So you're, you and I are are different in this regard. Um, You're more like our father, when it comes to this, he was, he was very intensely focused on money and like maintaining a certain degree of wealth that seemed, that for me always came out of fear. Like, do you remember him sitting down and like doing the budget and the stress that was created in our house when he would like look through the bank account and he would like ask our mom where this money came from, or would you spend this on? Do, do you, know? <laughs> I don't remember
1: that. I, the, you use the word intensely. I don't know if I would use the word in, intensely. I would know uh, no
2: other word, but to describe him. <laughs> <laughs> so you both have a very different vision. I think Sean denied, th- there's a denial. I think that exists in some of the things uh, that have <laughs> happened growing up, but it's the way he, it's the way he copes. <laughs> Which there's some value in denial if, it, if, there's, if there's pain, but then you don't allow yourself to kind of grow and learn from it. I don't know. I did, my, my, uh, the way I remembered
1: dad was he was very frugal, <laughs> um, but I always saw that as just the environment where he grew up, where yes. he, he valued everything that he had and didn't put too much value on the things that didn't mean anything, like cars. He didn't care about his car at all. I mean, he drove around in a in a beat up car with a broken seat where every time he sat in it, the seat would clunk clunk down to the left and he'd have to like jack the seat up and get it back into position and he'd be driving it at some point it would click
2: back down again. But so it's just we'd be like, buy a new car. It did extend out to other things. I don't remember like it'd be like a ninety-five degree day outside. <laughs> and listen, he was an executive. He became vice president of a company, ended up doing very well in his life but we would be i mean i, I remember not being able to sleep at night because it was a hundred degrees in my room and he wouldn't put on the air conditioning it wasn't you're exaggerating it wasn't a hundred degrees in your room it, it yeah, would, you have you have a 90 degree day and you sleep upstairs <laughs> open where your, the heat rises open your windows there's no breeze <laughs> see there, that's yeah. it <laughs> I it was it was very high.
1: I remember going into the bathroom and, and getting um not just a, a small towel. I would get a big towel and I put it in the bathtub in cold water and I'd wring it out. I'd go back to my bed and I would take that cold towel and just lay it on top of me and just hope that the cold air that might come
2: through the window would keep me cool. But it was so hot it would start steaming. <laughs> <laughs> but that stuff builds character. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I also think it was it was uh it was an energy of fear. So he died when he was 50. On his 50th birthday. On his 50th birthday. 50 birthday. He, I remember that he could have bought a beach house. The opportunity came where he could have invested into a property at the beach when prices of real estate were still affordable. And it was right before, I don't know if it was the 2000 market crash. I think it might have been the 2000 market crash. Yeah. So th- we're looking at like 98, 99. It was, it was 97, 98. Right? And right. I remember sitting there having a conversation with him and I saw the fear, the what if, right? And he, he wouldn't pull the trigger on it because of fear. Even though life is limited and what you could have built with an experience of being able to have that place down at the shore. And we love the beach. Like that's, that's part of an energy but life force.
0: For he, me. You're saying he just didn't see, he didn't see this as an investment in experiences that will make you happier. He saw it as ba- an investment line. that's going to bankrupt the family. He
2: was I also think f- bankrupt the family. No, I wouldn't go that far.
1: Okay. But he was also, I'm going to say your age, my age at the time, three kids that were going to college. You know, one was in college. You were in college at the time. I was just starting Um, And then, you know, Lindsey still had to go to school. I think he was doing what we all do, which was, you know, look forward a couple years and anticipate. And there's so much uncertainty. There's stresses. I don't don't know if I can commit to that. I don't do that. Uh, That's probably the difference between you and I, because I always still look forward and I'm like, okay, you know, what's coming up? I need to prepare for it.
2: But you know where we're different? And this is the this is my, my ability ability. <laughs> <laughs> no, go he, ahead. He, he, cr- <laughs> he creates that in his mind. Right? Anyway, this is how we're different. Sean believes in a future. I, I don't. Do. I don't believe in a fu- in a the future. There is only now. You'll die in the now. You'll live in the now. Future is created in your mind. It's an illusion. It's an absolute illusion for fear. Why approach life with the idea that something can be something? Be it. Do it. So I do not in any way approach my life with the idea or belief that I will be here in one year. My mind will go there. I'm like everyone else. But I always bring it back to say even one year from now, it'll still be just the now. So if we talk about the absence of time and the absence of space, that is a mental place to get to and live because then every moment becomes one that is, that can enhance your life. There, every experience then is like, this is the now, I can make the best of it. The idea of sitting, for me, and saying, "Okay, if five years from now this bad thing happens and the market works this way, and I can do this, then I can do this, and I can do that," makes me want to vomit.
1: Well, I I don't do that, and I'm not sure if he did either. He did. Well, maybe. <laughs> and
2: <laughs> no, he did. And we had these conversations, and I know he regrets it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he does because he he's he, telling. He passed away on his fiftieth birthday, and he realizes
1: that. S- that stuff is not important but he
2: gives me you know even when we're gone there's messages yeah and this is a message to you don't live your life that way sean live, I'm, live. i'll take it from him not from you this <laughs> is this is this is the, this is the channeling so he's telling me to tell you right now it's funny because i'm hearing another thing and he's going don't listen to your brother don't listen to your brother <laughs> We digress though, but this goes into the concept right, so of creating a life worth living. The, the, way that the, idea there's, life. The, the idea that there's no future yeah, allows you to transform from a fear-based energy to a love-based energy.
1: So knowing what has been revealed in, in that Harvard study, um, the importance of you know, relationships and connections with family, uh, and you taking it one day at a time, are you maximizing those experiences with the people that are important? yes okay and uh, now i haven't
2: my entire life i'm not well, of course not you're human yeah is, is you it, evolved to it
0: is it possible that through that philosophy that you guys just kind of bickered on a bit but let's just <laughs> say well, you have two different personalities can we look at it from the perspective of do both of you have these fulfilling relationships so if you're if you're saying there is no future and believe that live in the now i get that because i think i'm very much more similar to you but you're in you're saying sean sean's in denial of this, <laughs> now, but some of you know, these like, are extremes. Yeah, that no, I know, I know. On. But yeah. is do do those two different philosophies kind of create who you're going to be surrounded by, and then how those relationships go? Well,
2: first of all, um, I I think Sean takes the philosophy that I have as well in a lot of areas with his life. Um, he knows what's important to him. He has a he has a, a young son, a toddler and he is so involved in his son's life. Yeah,
1: you saw it this weekend. Yeah. You
2: know, the, the kid just he has a connection to me. No, it's great. Like I I because the other thing I wanted to transfer to was the idea of life purpose. Because I think that's another aspect of that that life worth living. I think it's it's a multiple connections on different areas. One it has to be relationships, but you have to be connected to a greater purpose. And the one thing about Sean coming East and working with this company. And listen, some of that future-focused, fear-based stuff is necessary when you're running a financial aspect of a business. So I'm not denying its value. Um, But he does know exactly what's important in his life now. And he is in the everyday in, in raising his son. And if he did not go through the trials and tribulations to actually have a child, he would not be able to fully appreciate and engage in the way that he's engaging with Yep, And that is the yin and the yang that exists. You can't love and create an energy force unless you know what it's like to suffer Mm -hmm. or what it's like to lose or to feel pain. They have to exist together. So you have to go through something with fear, with heartache, with the challenge, in order to really experience the peace or the love or the energy when it's there in the moment. So that separateness, that dichotomy, that yin, that yang, whatever we want to use it, they work in concert together. There is no light without the dark. Right? They have to be existing at the same time. Now, when we talk about the future, the future creates worry. You're talking about worry. Worry is toxic. I really believe it's toxic to the body, to the energy life force of love. It's all about protecting what you have now. And that's a vulnerability.
1: I think when you, when you think about me, I'm sorry I'm going to bring it back to me, but um, maybe you use that word worry about the future. I I don't see things as worrying about the future. I see everything that I do now as prioritizing what is most important in this moment this day. So there's things that I'd like to do in in the future that maybe would be a little more focused on me, maybe more focused on my relationship with my wife. But I do know that the time that I have with my son in this small window of him being a toddler is going to go away really quickly. And there's going to be a moment where he doesn't want anything to do with me. So what can I do to maximize this experience with him while I have the opportunity to do so? I don't want it to go away and then look back and go, wish I would have. That's wisdom. Yeah, and yeah, I guess it's wisdom. But it's just because of all the things that you've said and, and those who missed out on the opportunity. O- over the years, people have said things to me and it's just kind of stuck with me. So I've tried, tried to take the value of, of the things from them where they feel they came up short so that I don't have that regret.
0: So how how often though obviously I have 3 kids yep. and they are they are my life like and I, my relationship with them is is fantastic and I want that to continue. How often though do you know families that raise and then all of a sudden life changes for the parents, right? Financial situations things like that where you forget the wisdom of what that relationship with your kids brought you and now you're focusing on the negatives of life, which then affects the relationship with your own children. Does that, I don't know if that makes any sense because now that changes and you've completely forgotten the wisdom that you just shared with everyone today, which I agree with, but that's what life is, is kind of the reality of life right now. People start to grow and then they go, I'm going to finances. We have to do this. You forget about the important quality of that relationship with your children, with your wife, because you're, so focused on the fear, of
2: yes. So do you, do you know what this? It's a it's an interesting point. Do you know what I've done with finances? I completely handed them over to two two people. My wife, I never look at my bank account, and to Sean for the business because which is your wife. <laughs> the, well, the the two of you it, look at yeah, checks I, and balances. Yeah, I determined that in my life that was a sense, or that was. Uh, that, that was worry for me or that was stress for me because it brought me into the future. And all the years that I was running either my household or the, the business, it didn't matter how much I worried. It didn't do anything. It didn't change anything. So it, when I gave that up, my life enhanced because I don't know what's in my bank account. If I, if I want something or we're going to do something, I just, hey, Tracy, can we do this? Can we buy this? Sean, how are we doing? Right. You know, Sean Sean has like 50 different like charts. I do everything I can to avoid it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I stop sending them to him.
2: (laughs) I mean, because really all I have to do is focus on my client at that time. That's right. Or this podcast. You just just do your part. I do my part and everything's likely going to work out, right?
1: But that's like most things like a business. If everybody just does their part, the business functions. Yeah.
2: And there's nothing to worry about. (laughs) But in the past, that worry would affect me for that day. And it would change a an interaction I might have with somebody. And that's the whole reason why
1: you're not involved anymore. Because if it was affecting your interaction with your clients, then you're not 100% being focused on the moment with them. And maybe your therapy's improved in the last two years. I think it has. Yeah.
2: And so we all have to do, we have to kind of do some self-analysis. And in that self-analysis, you ask yourself, what do I need to do to have the highest quality of life? Let's imagine I have 80 years what needs to happen for me to maximize my life in 80 years? And I want to ask the question and I want to make this a little bit personal. When you ask yourself that and you think about that, because I hope you do, I hope everyone who's listening thinks about their life as time limited and then ask themselves very important questions. What needs to happen in order for me to maximize the experience? And then once you do that, you can then take steps to create it.
0: I think you have to eliminate how you feel about fear and worry and that you have to get into the mindset that maybe sometimes they're just overblown that they're just thought they're just thoughts and you not ha- sometimes they're all the time it's your mind all the time and so you have to be able to change your mindset in order to get to that point
1: for the last year and a half now that my son's older and i could do things with him I realized that keeping him busy with distractions and trying to fill the day with activities doesn't really add value to the experience of of that day. The days that I've enjoyed most with my family are the the ones where we are just outside and just following him around, letting him do his thing and playing with him outside and letting him ride his bike or jump into his, his little remote control car thing and just go around. Just trying to be busy is doesn't really refill my my soul. If that's a, a good way of putting it back to that, so it's it's really just being present in that moment and one hundred percent. So, like Kelly, when you talk about your family kind of refilling your soul, yeah, there's those negatives and those stresses that are are part of just life. But I would imagine you stop thinking about those things when you're with your family. Isn't isn't that what really one
0: hundred percent? And I always get. <laughs> my wife you know there's some opposite there's opposites there a little bit i tend not to worry i worry but i tend not to worry when i'm with them like when the twins were born i made sure we were outside of focus take you know to try to help with this a stress of my own wife but it was funny because i had all these experiences with these kids right and um and i think that for me i don't ever want that to stop Mm -hmm. so even as they get older if I can go outside, if it's warm and I can hit them baseballs or I can just get them to play with me basketball. I mean, those are the types of things that I really value and I love it. But as I get older, hate to say it, you know, you get more pain. You don't necessarily have the energy or stamina to keep up with the kids. But I'm telling you, that right there takes everything away. I'm living in the present when I, when
2: I focus on, on my family. Do you know when my kids, my, my two oldest girls... When they were Kazan's age, I was never around. I used to put Madison and Alexa to bed on a Sunday night, and I wouldn't see them till Friday because I was you were at temple when you were at temple PCOM. yeah so when I was going through my doctoral that's program right. so i would I was working with you, Kelly, during the day I remember and that's a school, so I think we started at like seven o'clock in the morning, yep, and then I would go down to Philadelphia and I had to work another job too. So I worked two jobs and went to school. And then the first time I would see them was in the afternoon on Friday when I get home from school. And although it's brought me here to where I am and that was, you know, that was my soul's mission and purpose and I missed out on a lot with, with my girls.
1: So let's go, they'll go back to that, your mindset during that period of time was focused on the future, right?
2: I don't think so, Sean, because I, when people ask me why I became a psychologist, they always ask that question. Yeah. And I never felt like I had a choice. It was in me. You know, You, you when we talk about passion, because that's another thing about life purpose, I knew I had to become a psychologist. Therefore... All the work at that time didn't feel like work. It was what I needed to do then. I'm not saying I regret it because I was picked up and I, and I was placed on a path. And it was the right thing. But I do it, I do miss I miss that period of time with, with my girls, and you don't develop the same relationships with your kids especially when they're girls that I could have. And so when Shane was born and I graduated school and I was back into, you know, the work life, put a lot of time into Shane, especially with wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like we connected through wrestling. I would drive him to this club that was 45 minutes to an hour from my house. Four days out of a week, we would travel to wrestling events. We'd go around the country to wrestle. That's why last night, When we sat there at Liberty Memorial Gymnasium, and I watched Shane in the district finals wrestle, I was fully in the moment the entire day. I enjoyed it. When in the past, and some of my buddies who might be listening to this and who've been on this journey over all these years, they'd say my mind was always on the next thing. I'd be anxious, worried, you know, you lose, what's the next thing? You know, you're always just kind of get, you get caught up, wrestling's a strange sport um, because there's brackets and you're, you're, you're following and this and this gives you this opportunity and that opportunity. And my mindset wasn't always where I think it needed to be. But last night was great because I just sat and I enjoyed it. And it, there was the absence of anxiety last night.
1: So in terms of the skills that someone needs to develop in life, to pull yourself out of thinking about what's next and actually truly being present in that moment. What, what advice would you give to Kelly or to me or the listeners about how to, to bring yourself back into that present?
2: I don't want to always go back to meditation, but I think it's life-changing and it's, it, it's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. Now I fully understand that we're all on our journeys. And when I say that you can't experience the light unless you've been in the dark, I know that if for you to understand what I'm communicating, there has to be pain. There has to be some struggle. There has to be times where you, you or someone you, you loved, you went through something that was really challenging and you got through that darkness into the light. And then in the light, then you can have a whole new perspective. So when I sit here and say, there is no future, that comes from learning in my life. When we have this conversation about dad dying at 50, it helped form how I thought about our lives. When I made mistakes with my kids, when I had stress or anxiety or worry about the future, negatively impact the most important relationships that exist in my life, you're faced with an opportunity. Are you going to repeat that pattern and then push love away by being stuck in fear? Or are you going to learn from it? And you're going to shift your attitude and your mindset into creation. So I am when I'm at my best, it's about creation. What am I going to create today? What am I going to create in this podcast? Am I going to create in my home, with my clients, with my friends? The idea that you have this willingness to create. Now, I'm reading this book, Book of Miracles, and I got to tell you, I failed last night. Shane lost in the district finals. I tried to create that to win last night, but it didn't happen. So I'm, I'm not able to create miracles yet. <laughs> but the Book of Miracles is a course, and so I'm working on it. But another way to, to look at miracles, right, is this idea that we can create our reality. And by creating our reality, we sit down there, we sit and we be present and we energize what we're looking for in that life, in that day, in that moment. All right. So
1: let's use this wrestling example. And I think you and I are very similar. Most families, I'm not going to say most families. A lot of families would look at their son making it to the finals and celebrate the fact that He won very challenging matches to get to that position. Now, even though he lost in the finals, Mm -hmm. there would still be a celebration uh, at the conclusion of it. I left feeling disappointed knowing that he's a great wrestler. He has a lot of potential and I wanted him to win. I was throwing those mind darts at him also like find a mistake, find a mistake get get the move get the move find a mistake take advantage take advantage and it just didn't happen so i was like at the end of it i was like ah damn you know but i should have been like wow you know he he did fantastic so knowing that shared experiences are important and how you connect with the people around you during that moment and keep and trying to make it a, a positive experience in terms of like the energy and the frequency were you able to bring that energy into that experience last night, or was there disappointment and negative uh, emotions around it at the end? because I know I know Shane, I'm sure he was disappointed in his performance because he he expects the best of himself, so
2: yeah, I'd have to admit there was probably a little bit of disappointment um because you end with a loss, but I wanted to create love around it. Mm-hmm. and so the only thing I said to him before we started kind of breaking down the match a little bit it was after after you made him walk home <laughs> 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 No, I'm kidding. um was then i was i was i said great tournament i'm i'm proud of your effort and i thought the effort was there you know I, I i think he um he was focused he wrestled hard and even in the finals give the other give your opponent credit the the opponent was better than him yeah and there's a lot of things that go into performance and you have to work if that's a goal of yours it takes a lot of commitment and time and dedication to get there and sometimes you know rough things have to happen to you to pick yourself up and to learn and I know his whose opponent was um, he missed weight at the state tournament last year and didn't place and he's one of the you know, top kids in the country, and I know he's very focused and working really hard, and he just got off an injury too, and you could you could see the difference. Now, they'll question with Shane's got to wrestle next week, and the learning here is, all right, wh- how do you grow from the experience? So there's the metaphor, is that I don't think there was celebration, there was opportunity for learning, because it's o- the moment's over. Once you wrestle the match, it's over, and if we're gonna talk about enhancing life, it's how do you get back into that moment? So even that moment of learning matters, where your preparation for the following week matters. You don't get too caught up in the past. You don't focus too much on the future. You learn to live fully in that, in that present. And that is such an important life lesson because there's gonna be painful events that are gonna to happen to you in your life if you stay in that, if you live in that past you know, you're going to suffer in the present.
0: I had a coach someone once said, you could be angry at yourself for a minute and get over it and move on and learn. It's like it's allow yourself a little tiny bit of time to get some of those negative emotions out. I guess it was the whole purpose and point. And then you have to get, you have to get back into that positive frame of mind that this isn't over, you're moving on. You got next week, we got prep, you know, let's go, let's move on.
2: Yeah, it's certainly more of a process um, viewpoint than an outcome one. Because even though, even though the, the events that are worth celebration. They, they come and they go, right? People don't understand happiness because it's sold to us in this culture or what happiness actually is.
0: That's why I said it's synthetic,
2: right? It's fake, a lot of it. It's sold to you, you know, in, in, in a culture of materialism. But, you, you, know, the, you know, when we study happiness, it's a fleeting experience. When people say, I want a happy life, I don't think that should be the goal. Because emotions are like the weather. They're constantly changing. Some days it'll be sunny. Other days it'll be gloomy. You want to be fully connected to each moment. So when there's joy there that's part of the experience, embrace it. I'm not saying embrace it, but don't believe that going through life means you're happy all the time. Seeking contentment, purpose, and engagement in the experience, I love that. That's important. But seeking out a goal of being happy is going to make you miserable. That's the paradox of all this. And so, yeah, did I celebrate and excited after he won his semifinal match? You know, knowing he was going to wrestle in the finals. Yeah, I got excited. It was joy, but it was fleeting. It comes and then it goes and then you're back into the next moment. And you celebrate the opportunity, being able to have the experience in in the finals and watching that. Fun. Enjoy it. Yeah, even if you lose, it's still an experience that was created and it was created from a lot of energy and a lot of work leading up to it. But then there's the next thing. And that's the way to live life because you're maximizing your moments. You really are. And you have to th- I think you have to think about your relationships in that way as well because there's going to be conflict, there's going to be disagreements. You're a human being, you're fallible, you're not going to be perfect, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say dumb things. You're going to do dumb things. You're probably going to hurt people. But do you have the ability to apologize, repair, build? That's part of vulnerability. Yeah. If you can't apologize, if you can't reflect on the mistakes that you made, then it's going to be hard for people to love you and to be vulnerable around you. So you have, to, you have to look at, and we saw this in the study, where did people start pushing others away from a distance? And often it's because they were hurt. Pride. Pride's another one. Ego mm-hmm. is the is is the word. Ego is the enemy. Ooh. Great book, by the way. Mm-hmm. Who's read it?
1: I've not. I've I've read it
2: twice. Holiday. Yeah, Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday, great author. But ego is the is the enemy. So many life little life nuggets that I think are. Um, so important to bring on this podcast, you know we get, we're going to get caught up in different things, like our our previous podcast episode we you know we talked about the gender issue, we've talked about psychiatric drugs, mental health. But I love this idea of these life nuggets mm-hmm. you know that get passed down from generation to generation, and there's a wisdom in it and I love when I get to read these passages from books that could be centuries old. And it's like, wow, that is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. If I can apply that into my life, I can maximize my experience.
1: So, I mean, we've spoke a lot about families. There's a lot of people out there that may may not be connected to their family for a number of reasons. But you can still have these shared experiences and these relationships with people interested in the same type of
2: things you're interested in as well. I think the research doesn't just suggest that it's family. I mean, we no. talked about our family here, <laughs> right? It's, um, you know, friends be- can become family, like your community can become family. Fam- family is a larger kind of concept. Yeah. You could grow up in a, in a family and not feel connected to them. Mm-hmm. And then, but you can find a a cohort or a group or one or two people that you really feel like you're meant to have them in your life. And, that's the protective aspect of relationships that we're talking about. Because if loneliness kills, loneliness means I am alone. No one cares about me. No one understands me. And that is, that's pain. Mm-hmm. And when you think about even look into the literature about suicide.
0: You know what scares me? In this uh, Gen Z, when we talk, we've had several podcasts on social media. And then we just talked about the study and how relationships matter a lot. Think about how many individuals are now just developing only online relationships. They have only online. And and they might be thinking that this is happiness, that this is fulfilling. But the reality is, I don't believe that those online, that's not going to be... What do you know, bro? I got 3 million yeah, followers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, it frightens me because yeah. I don't, I don't see them developing the types of relationships that we were talking about today. You, you but I, I could be wrong. Time. Am I wrong?
1: No, I think you're. I think there's data that shows <laughs> that it's, that's true.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, that that love energy force. It's important that people understand that it it can be produced every day in different ways, like towards a stranger. So I got my coffee here, right? And I was at Wawa before I came here.
0: I thought it was bourbon.
2: <laughs> I was standing in line, and there were a couple people ahead of me, and uh, this woman at the cash register. And you know, she grinds out a, you know, an eight-hour workday. And but, boy, the the smile on her face and her kindness to every single person that got coffee. I knew that she was developing relationships with these customers because they're these repeat customers who get their coffee there and the smiles on their faces. I was just observing like that's a love energy force, you know. And when I got up there, you know, I did the same thing. I just reciprocated it back to her with like a, a, a smile and she was very kind. And I just said, you, you're great at your job. You know, you're very, I can just see the way that you interact with everybody. Have a great day. You know, little things like that, that generates a a positive energy force. Or if I talk to some of my clients who are like in healthcare or something else, every patient, you know, engaging with them. And that's a collective humanity where if enough people do that, if enough people create that energy force, it supersedes and can overcome all that darkness that's out there. Because you see it in politics. Remember, it's fear creates war. Fear creates a lot of the emotional struggle, pain and distress and anger and violence that exists. So think about how it can be created in little, little, small things. And if energy is a force, what if you just walk down the street and just threw a blessing at somebody?
1: I love that. I, I love the idea of that. And I, I love your example. And I'm just going to share one last story before we, uh, we end this. Uh, after wrestling uh yesterday before the finals we left the arena and grabbed some lunch with my wife and my son and then we went to um banana factory which is a little art area Mm -hmm. we had some time wanted to let my son burn some calories run around for a little while and he likes going there with my wife uh, sometimes so uh, we walk into one of the rooms where there's a bunch of art on the wall it's a big room there's a table in the middle and there was a, a girl I'm gonna say probably about 30 years old sitting there and she was sketching all alone go walking in with my son he's holding my hand he's going come on daddy come on art art and he's pointing at the wall come on daddy look art art and I was just walking around with them, and the girl goes oh my god thank you so much for your son and I was like oh well thank you she's like No, you don't understand. I am having a horrible day, the worst day. And I came here because I just wanted to be alone. And as I've been sitting here, I didn't realize there was going to be all these kids because there was a, a class going on in one of the other rooms. So all the kids had just left. They were walking out when we were walking in. And she's like, at first I was annoyed. And now I just saw your son. And thank you. Thank you for having him in this world because he just lifted my spirits. And it kind of it took me back. And then she started revealing some more things about she was pregnant. Uh, doesn't look like she has a very close relationship with her family. She talked about how hard it's been. And she just said, thank you. And then, you know, then my son was like, come on, daddy. And he, he pulled me out of the room. But like my wife, you know, talked to her for a minute or so. Don't know the person, don't know the person's name. But that energy, that frequency, Something happened the moment we walked in the room and it shifted her from dark to light.
2: That's a great story. Um, and then the other thing about art, right? Art is creation. Think about everything that went into the creation of that art, whether it's a, it's a painting or it's music or something you watch. I know another, one of the things that I know you love, you know, you are the expert I go to for pop culture and movies and stuff like that. So like whenever I want to, I have a night and I want to start a, a show or watch a movie, he's the first guy that I'll, that I'll text mm-hmm. because he's got great taste and he, he loves he loves movies and he loves good shows and he's got, and I can tell that's part of what rejuvenates Kelly is I think he, he thinks about it at different levels. There's a depth I think he gets out of the art of, oh, no doubt. of movies and, and so forth. And But that's that creative spirit and that creative power. Like You can get caught up in a story or a character and learn so much, right? I, I had a, and we can close on this, I had a session not too, too long ago when I was talking about 75 hard. Yep, we have to keep talking about 75 hard. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> what is the streak now? <laughs> it's gotta be uh, a dozen. Yeah. I don't think we talked about it the last few. But the idea of uh, reading 10 pages of nonfiction offended him. As if you could only learn from nonfiction, and I sat back and I and I thought you're right, right? Why why nonfiction? You can learn a lot from from fiction and stories sure. and, and, and people. And he was a he was a teacher who is in the arts, so I, I got his point. I thought it was uh, well intended. What are, what are we wrapping this up on? Can we put it in a nice little bow? And a gift what are your takeaways kelly well i mean
0: i think we made some very valuable points on future predicting in how we look at worry fear all of those things and that it certainly seems to be a bit easier to change the mindset if you can put that into a perspective that i they they are just thoughts right live in the moment and I think everything improves, including relationships, including how you're going to live your life.
1: Uh, Just don't show up. You actually have to put effort into things. It's not the quantity of the relationships. It's the quality of the relationships. And to be honest with you, you only need one, two, maybe three quality relationships in life to get you through those difficult moments.
2: Yeah, those are two great takeaways. And, and my final takeaway, again, is the, the energy of, of fear versus love. I think fear stops people from showing up. I think fear leads to pushing love away. And that creates disease. And it creates pain and struggle and makes life really, really hard. And if, that, if you can cultivate that love energy force and all the little things you can do in the moment, is surely protective on all levels and helps you create the life that you are meant to have.
0: Listening to a podcast may be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional. If you are in a crisis or you think you have an emergency, call your doctor or 911. If you're considering suicide, Call 1-800-273-TALK to speak with a skilled, trained counselor. If you found this podcast interesting, please share it with a friend, subscribe through your podcast app, and engage with us through our social channels. And if you are concerned about a friend or family member, reach out. The six magic words, I was just thinking about you, may make their day. Thank you for listening.